When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. One of us were ordinary compared to Cynthia Rose. She always stood at the back of the line, a smile beneath her nose. to Dad Band Land, the podcast that talks about all things the music that we love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. I'm Adam Felber, your host. I'm very happy to be here, and I want to right away bring in my co-host and our lead guitarist. By the way, I play keyboards. That's Mr. Kevin Burke over here. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be here. Good to see you. Welcome to episode 10, Kevin. Oh, man. 10 episodes already? This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's new, my man? Uh, not much, not much. You know what, I, um, I was in the car today, and I was listening to the radio, and I'm like, this radio is fucking great. It's playing The Firm, it's playing Deep Cuts on Aerosmith, it's doing, and then, and then the new monkeys came on, and I realized, I'm just listening to our playlist. I, so I'm, I'm just here to confirm that I like the stuff we do here. I just, I'm a fan of what we do on this show, clearly. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think we've made a big enough deal about this. But if you want to hear the the um, Apple Music playlist of all the songs we talk about on this show, all the songs that show up in Jeffy's um, montage, as it were, I make a playlist every week, and it's right there in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, look at the description. There's a link to our playlist, and it's awesome. Now I'm going to confirm that I like our playlist, that I am a fan <laughs> of the playlist we've put together. You like the so, music we like. Kevin, like uh, like. what song are we breaking down today? Tonight, we're going to break down the sort of cl- the classic, one of my favorite songs of all time, but one of my favorite bands of all time, and that is uh, the T-Rex song, Get It On, Bang A Gong. Um, known in America, though, as Bang A Gong, Get It On, because apparently we couldn't handle the Get It On being first in this country. Yeah. It has, it has no. two different names. So we were all spared the, the that that scandalous title of Get It On. So we know Bang a Gong. We'll break that down into what we did 
I, I, I'm intrigued by what you did. I can't wait to find out what you played during this song. It's not a piano <laughs> as, part. As, as ever. I have a lot to say about that one, too. Uh, let me shift over to another box in our, in our Zoom Brady Bunch. Over there, we've got band manager and our chief vinyl officer, Mr. Brian Frank. How are you, Brian? I am doing well. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. What's new? Uh, you know, it's busy times in the music business. In a yes. good way. We're bringing music good. to the people, and it's it's really exciting. Uh, okay, great. Uh, Brian, what's really exciting is, uh, is is the album that you're bringing tonight, the vinyl anniversary that's tonight, because um, it, you're going to have to fight for airtime over me and Kevin <laughs> and Jeffy on this one. You know, uh, what, I, I what was, have you brought? Yeah, so tonight we're doing our first uh, double album, which All is right. uh, Prince's Sign O The Times, and, um, you know, I was thinking about this because I know you guys are big. I don't know what you, you know, there's like deadheads. I don't know if you guys are like subjects or heirs. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is for Prince, Princetons. but I know you got, yeah, yeah you're well, there's, there's in the Prince We're fandom, Princetons. there've been a number, number of names. He even referred to them as fams for a period of time, like family oh, no. members. No, I, won't, was, I won't go there. Just for the record, I did not hop on board with that one, but yeah, there's never been there's never been a singular deadhead thing, but I think maybe because of, of pride, people don't want to have to be. Well, I think maybe Jeffy per, just he mentions coined in this it. album the Purple Kids. Oh, it's true, yeah, but no, he it's true. The Purple no, Kids. No. I'm going with Princeton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, that, that means that I'm going to roll down the screen to our our the fourth member of our quartet, um, our chief technology officer, Jeffy Branion. Jeffy Branion, how you doing, man? Sweet dreams <laughs> are made of this. Well, who am I to disagree? Uh, Jeffy, what's going on in your life, man? Oh, you know, not much. The Nothing. best thing about this week is this show. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Well, uh, wow. I'm, so, I'm, I'm thinking sorry? that you had an awesome <laughs> week, but this <laughs> just happens to be better. It's been, it's been a terrible week. What can I say? Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, hopefully this show lives up to what it needs to do emotionally for you this week, because that's a lot yeah. of pressure we now have. No, no, no. It, it needs to do very little. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> expecting <laughs> it to pull through. Oh, good. Uh, well, Jeff, you can you. introduce. You can introduce, because, you know, we, we got to give you something to introduce. Uh, we're doing a cocktail party question this week that's pretty fun. We were arguing about it via text message today. You want to tell everybody what it is? We are going to discuss perfect albums yeah we all are right <laughs> and uh you can all hit up our socials um we've if you look at our socials we've already asked you to to share yours with us and uh we're excited to see what those are but we're gonna give you ours but first we're gonna rock it on to our first segment the one that kevin introduced playing the song playing the song and dad band we're doing bang a gong and you're you are a fan of t-rex i'm, you I'm a i'm not yeah i this song happens to be one of the only T-Rex songs that most people in this country know. T-Rex was naturally massive in, in England, but I'm an enormous T-Rex fan, like obsessive T-Rex fan. Um, like if, if aliens came to Earth and threatened to blow the planet up and only singing T-Rex songs at karaoke could save the Earth, I've got yeah. that. I've got this under control. I could do that. 
That is an unlikely scenario. I want to say that what you're hearing, by the way, in the back, everybody, is not aliens, the but, aliens. The fact, but Kevin <laughs> is, uh, once again, in case you're not aware, uh, recording from my backyard. And until we're completely clear of this pandemic, you will hear some air traffic going no, on. And, and also, you know what? There's a Led Zeppelin song on physical graffiti with a plane in it. This is a tradition, a rock tradition we're part of. Yes. That we're, that we're People doing, expect see? to hear aircraft overhead when it's That's Los right. Angeles. Yes. Let's talk about Bang a Gong, what it's like, and playing it. I want to say this right up front. There's not a lot for a keyboard. There's a lot for a keyboardist to do, but there's not a lot that people are aware a keyboardist doing on that song. This band was fantastic, and um, it's a super simple song chord-wise. The rhythm is all about the two guitars. Uh, uh, Kevin, you have a guitar right there. Well, the only reason I have it here is because I think I think the T-Rex secret to me and, and, and the general glam rock, 70s glam rock, is to take that is to take that Chuck Berry-esque rock and roll stuff and then there's quick twists on it, right? The idea is you have it and then T-Rex would throw in a weird minor chord or a, or a major seventh chord or something going on in here. And this song, the, the, the basic riff is such a basic blues riff where it's some simple like... That's one of the guitars, absolutely. Churns through the whole so, song. And everyone, and everyone can play that. But what makes the song, to me, what makes the song is this little extra bit, this little extra that he does, which is... Yeah. That's all anyone remembers. That's the part that you get the da da da. I love that part. Right? That's the hook. Ultimately, it's just a blues in in E. But that and that hook well, is but, so but big. Well, but you know what? It only has the E and the A, and the third chord is this weird little G six that I think funks it up even better. For the chorus, yeah. There's there's a yeah yeah. Well, this this bit that. I mean, Oasis got a massive hit in England with cigarettes and alcohol, which is. The exact same riff, just just shoplifted in a, in a great way. So it it is, it always works, right? The thing about that element of the song always works. Everyone knows that high. It's it's how you play the E too. You play it, you, you play it on the D string. You know that's where your root's gonna be. And um, yeah, it is. It it hits the right tone there, and everyone knows that part. Dun 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 dun. dun. But the thing I've noticed, even when we play it, and even when I know the song inside out and backwards, is no one remembers how it goes. Do you do you no. recall? We just look at each other, and, and I'm like, all right, time for a chorus. And we lean in and say, get it on, bang it gone. Yeah, and, and then we go to the G, yeah. Um, I, I do have something to say about this. And what I have to say about this is it's a testament to the skill of T-Rex that us, and I think almost every cover band I've heard play that song, kind of sucks at it. Like, if there's a song... <laughs> If there's a song that we were bad at in our in our most recent set, it was this one. And I think the reason why is that although they're absolutely a rock and roll band, there's a soul funk edge to it. And, you know, a funky band needs to have so much more discipline and so much more restraint. And like everybody has to hang back so much that it is a laid back song, right, to your point. Right. But 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 also, you know. You know, you know, our tendency is like when we start rocking out, we rock out loud like a rock band does. And and T-Rex in general, but this song in specific, it's about restraint. It's the do that bop. And 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 the two guitars have to be together perfectly. The bass player has to you be know, together. Yeah. The keyboardist can't try to assert himself too much. It's you so know much restraint. You're pointing out like part of it is it's really vibe and, and it's really this like, you know, at the time his sort of androgynous vibe that he had where where it was kind of like it was sleazy and somewhat sexy and somewhat strange and you can't yeah. you can't you know typically a lot of people just covering that song can't really 
get that particular feel off it. It just sounds and you can't get like that sparse. Rock. I want I want to point this out. You can't get that sparse. I want to play a little bit of one of the later choruses uh, of of this song. I want you all to listen to it. And then I want to point out something a little bit mind blowing. And pay attention to just how big the spaces are and how sparse it sounds. Okay, did you hear that? Here's the thing that's so cool about this song. It's got your bass, it's got your two guitars, it's got your drum, it's got two keyboardists, a saxophonist, and backing <laughs> vocals yes. all happening there. Way more than our band had. And yet it sounds like there's big, empty, sparse, muted spaces. It's just phenomenal what musicians who are really tight can do. But do you guys have a bongo player? That's you know what I was going to bring that up. <laughs> you got to remember that T Rex T Rex at its core is one yeah. guy playing guitar and singing and one guy playing bongos. Like that is the core of T Rex. Everything else is extra, and we did not have a bongo player. And having a bongo player is important. The other thing there's the your why, answer, Adam. Yes, and the other reason. <laughs> no, that's the thing. T Rex is really two guys, right? They're like they're like uh, they might be giants of folk rock turned glam rock, but yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you how many unplugged. musicians were playing. <laughs> I'm telling you how many musicians were playing in the clip yeah, no, that we just heard. Totally, and that's a big... You've got Rick Wakeman doing production. the acoustic piano, doing the glissandos yeah. like I did, and you've got oh, that uh, other guy on the organ, and you've got a saxophonist, and you've got the backing vocals, and yet they are tight. Yeah, they are, and they're laid back. And the other the other thing that, that made our version a little too loose and, and, and didn't quite get the vibe was that that aliens were not threatening to blow up the earth while we were playing it. And had <laughs> had that been the case, I would have nailed it. I would have nailed that song to save humanity. Or, or maybe a record. second rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I'm, I'm burned by that, but it's a good burning. I'm glad that you did that, Jeffy. Tastes like no, we. No, we played harder. <laughs> we played harder songs better. Is my point. I still haven't. Quite no, I, do, I the think case that's right. That. And I, I think that part of it is that that each verse is roughly the same. Like people just, we didn't do it justice. So I'm willing to start a T Rex cover band to make up for this. If anyone wants to join me, I'm have you, do I need have to you played to... better songs harder though? Yes, we have. Really, <laughs> Brian, what did you want to say? I saw. I, I saw you trying to get in there. Oh no, I was just uh, seconding uh, Kevin's T Rex cover band idea, and he asked you know, who's in. I, my, uh, you're <laughs> I was in. the my, first one to raise my hand. My dream cover band, my dream band when I was when I was in college would would have been T and the Family Rex was some sort of T Rex Stone yes. sort of meeting band. That would have been my dream music. Wow, I'm in. A, yes, I'm you're in. in. All right. T and the Family Rex, 100%. we're starting it now. Yes. Yes. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do a deeper dive on T Rex because I feel like uh, I, you know. Especially after last week when we covered Machine Head and I was shocked by how much I like Deep Purple. I'm willing to follow you guys until, you know, you fall oh. off a cliff with Kiss or some shit. When I first met when I first met Brian, he brought up Futuristic Dragon, a late period T-Rex record that I love, but he's the only other human on earth who's ever said those words to me, Futuristic Dragon. So I think Adam, that's, uh... just be very no, careful. I mean, if you're if you're sick of us in Aerosmith, just wait. <laughs> I, I kinda wanna check him out now. I have I haven't done a, a T-Rex deep dive. Oh, do it. Do it. Start start with electric there are like four records that are acoustic folk records you can avoid. 
you know, that you probably should avoid. They sound like having a fever. I've listened to records that sound like they capture the feeling of having a fever. And that's the first, like, three records. I mean, that, the later that is ones, an achievement of sorts. It, it is. <laughs> no, it is. If we, yeah. I'm going to. All right. I'm then gonna, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut you off now. I'm going to yes. let you finish later. And later means no, after it's a the side, show. This is a side thing. Um, I meant to, for this to be cut out. But a side thing. No, no, no. Check it out. What I want to do time. is for our actual listeners is tell me and Jeffy. <laughs> Which album to start with? Not the three not to start with. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. Electric Warrior. Electric Warrior, and then go to the slider. And, and once you Electric get those Warrior. two. Yeah. Electric Warrior. Th- Our listeners out there. Yeah. yeah. And if you could just now go through the entire catalog, starting no! with the worst. No. <laughs> yes, oh. yes, yes, no. yes. No. Okay. Willingly. I, I think I missed the point on that. <laughs> Here's the okay. People literally what he did. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. And if you could go song by song. Yeah. Each other. And you know what? You know what? And I if could, you can do I that, Kevin, do I want you to do this, and I want you to do this in five seconds <laughs> because we're breaking for commercial. Oh, we'll be right no. back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back with DBL. DBL. Hey, Dad Band Land. Let's get to um, let's get to this segment because I'm so psyched about this. Now, when we get to Brian's House of Wax later tonight, we're going to be covering an album which I consider a perfect album. And so we won't talk about this album in this segment. It is Prince's Sign of the Times. Um, and but it made me think that this would be a fun time to do this. Uh, this was a card on our Trello board, man. That we've been, I've been kind of staring at, you know, episode after episode, going when's the Don't right time to deploy Don't reveal the behind it? the scenes secrets, it, Adam. That yeah. sounds like a, you make it sound like a euphemism as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Board. I, no, I meant this is a, this is a note that I stuck up my own ass. No, it's um, it's <laughs> a, wow. That's a little Ooh. different. This card on my Trello board. <laughs> Wait, to, what to XTC not, album not, is that? <laughs> you are gonna have to take take some XTC where the sun don't shine at some point, my friend. But uh, we're talking about perfect albums tonight, and I want to lay down the criteria for discussing a per- perfect album because okay. there's all kinds there's all kinds of ways to do it. Here's what here's what we're going with tonight. It's not just an album that's full of great songs, but not it's co- it's cohesive. It's a statement. It, mm-hmm. it, it's an, it's a moment in time. The the order of songs is perfect. The songs that are on it is perfect. And most importantly, it wouldn't work as well if any one of those songs was removed. We're talking about a perfect album. And one of the great uh, things that we we chatted about before starting the recording tonight is that there are albums that are better than perfect albums. They just have some there are somehow, songs on them. In, in musical <laughs> math, there are perfect albums, and then artists will have better albums than the perfect album. They can't, they and, somehow ex- exceed infinity, these records. Yes. And before we open that door, I want to use an example that Kevin Burke has used before on this show. Um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band might be a perfect album. However, I would probably choose to listen to Abbey Road before it, even though, as Kevin often po- points out, 
Maxwell's silver hammer lurks on <laughs> Abbey Road, and possibly it alone prevents it from being yeah, a perfect it's album. True. It's Waiting true. to troll you. It's just ready to go. It's sitting there. It's right around the corner. You're like, all oh, right, this is great, and it is there. Yes, I. It's I, lying in it. wait. Yeah, I've said. I mean, I've said. There's a number of artists who I can say this is the most perfect album ever made. It's not their best album. That's something that goes on all the time. But that's music. Absolutely this isn't fine. math. If we wanted math, I, we would. Have, it's a different podcast. This is music. Let's start with uh, Brian. Dad Brian, break out a perfect land. album. Dad math land. <laughs> Dad math land. <laughs> yeah, and I'd say too, it's it's got to be all killer, no filler. Yes. And and I I'm, I look forward to the discussion on sign of the times because I disagree with you, Adam. Mm-hmm. It's close to a perfect album, Ooh, but there's a speed bump. Just like in Abbey Road, right? Interesting. So um, I'm going to name a couple. I've been working on this list, too, because I've gotten some requests on my Instagram from people asking, because I'll sometimes say this is on my perfect albums list, and people say, what's your list? And so now i got to actually And you were lying the whole time. You didn't have a list. No, it's when I listen to them, it reminds me. So that's the thing is I posted Pink Floyd's Animals the other day. That is on my list along with uh, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. But I was thinking as well about two from Pink Floyd, but I was and I was thinking about a couple topics that we brought up. So I'm just going to jump right into these topics. Have there been artists who have had more than one perfect album or more than one in a row? And I would venture to say Pink Floyd uh, Wish You Were Here and Animals to me is a, a back to back perfect. But wow. remember, there's only a few songs on each album, so is right. that a cheat? Might be a case, but in that yeah. case, it um. It, but running you know, there's, time, there's though. Sec- the, running time, exactly. Like they run into each other. There's a lot of music. There's 45 minutes of music on each record. Okay, fair. Now I'm going to bring up my modern era one that I think had a run okay. of three perfect records. Okay, very cool. Okay, I'm intrigued. Radiohead, mm. the Oof. Benz, OK mm-hmm. Computer. And Kid A, to me, all those albums can't miss a song. Every song is perfect, runs the right way. I have no disagreements with I anything will, on I will records. say, I don't want to get into the discussion of all those, but I just want to point out sure. that this is your modern list that is nearly yeah. 30 years old at this, at this point. It is. <laughs> it, it but is. we're talking about, okay, but we're talking about CD era more than yeah, 45 minutes. that's right. That's, that is something okay. I'll get to, okay. I want to talk okay. to you in a second. Yes, yes. But okay. yeah, that's great. That's a great Great call. I, I like I like hearing the Radiohead thing. It's uh, you know they've never been my bag, um, but I I do I do appreciate I especially appreciate Paranoid Android. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, computer. Yeah. Um, so the Benz yes, is on my list. I will endorse. Too. I will endorse that without uh, agreeing with it. Go on. Okay. And I'm just <laughs> before before I leave my portion because I want to turn it over to others. I want to name some hip hop ones because I was thinking a lot about that too. And I've named. I had a couple, a couple of those. Past. Sure. Um, and I have to go with another back-to-back to, to me is uh, Run DMC, King of Rock, and Raising Hell. All perfect, Soup. every single song, start to finish. Yeah. And I okay. would put in that category, too, Boogie Down Productions, By All Means Necessary, and oh, yes. Public, Public Enemies, Nation, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. That Now, Nation of Millions and uh, De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising uh, which is a debut album that's a perfect album, which is another discussion entirely. Those yeah. were both on my list for perfect hip-hop albums. And because Jeff but is nodding, yes. Skits, but skits 
Skits. You're going to include those skits on, on <laughs> yeah. three yeah. feet high? Absolutely. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. All right, now let's move. To Jeffy, take it away. You're a perfect album. <laughs> I, I, I will. Uh, Look at Derwin. Will... Look at little Derwin, man. <laughs> I have two. Um, uh, Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie yes. Wonder. I'm on board with that. Hell yeah. And um, Metallica, Master of Puppets. On my list, too. Oh, yes. very good. Perfect. Do you want to say anything about either of those? Well, I mean, what do you, what can you say about songs in the key of life that hasn't been said or... That's true. ...that you can't hear from every note, any song that you put on? Uh, Absolutely. Sir Duke or Joy Inside My Tears. Like, it's perfect. You don't even have to... Like, I don't even... I can just name a song at random, and it's like, well, that's classic. <laughs> that's so um, true. Yeah, no, you can't I, really... I agree. Unimpeachable I, is the word that comes to mind. I think the album is unimpeachable. It is my favorite Stevie Wonder album. For me, I don't think that that every song is necessary, even though every song is great. Hmm. Oh, that's like, interesting. So, so, so you're more so of an inner me, visions. Yeah, I, more of a exactly. Book. If I was gonna, I had I had inner visions and talking book. Both as okay. my perfect Stevie Wonder albums. I can't. I can't see I can't, taking this I can't off argue. the talking book. I, I, I'm not going to. I can't argue you. with you. Yeah, it's okay. It's let's, okay. Hey, hey, man, let's not fight each other on this I'm stuff, with, okay? I'm with Jeffy on. <laughs> okay, I'm with man. Jeffy on this. That that every song I on that record, I just keep waiting for the ball to drop, and he, he keeps it bringing his A game, track after track after track, uh, to the very end. But yeah, and, and, and even that came the as double a album, even within that format. Yes. Like each of the albums is its own like oh, juicy contained unit. You know what I mean? Yes. No, it's yeah. it's and that was the culmination. And I want to point out if you guys have not uh indulged yourself on Stevie Wonders, what do they call that? His, his uh the run that he went on from uh like 1971 all the way up through Songs in the Key of Life, he released three or four of the greatest four. albums ever four. recorded. And then yeah. he recorded, <laughs> yeah, he did Music of My Mind, Fulfilling His First Finale, Talking Book, and Inner Visions. And he, that was more than one a year. And then he dropped Songs in the Key of Life on everybody. And that, I don't think there'll ever be another run like that. No, that is that is an unparalleled run. Hands, no there are great runs that, by people, but no one has yeah. that. No one and, produces and honestly, that, he, that much anymore. And he and he didn't have it after in, in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's obviously his peak too. You know, it just slow, it slowly trickles out yeah. after that. So yeah, he disappears into the studio, and it takes years to squeeze out like Secret Life of Plants and Hotter in July. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, why don't you give us some of your favorite albums? We know one of them is Master of Puppets, and another is Songs <laughs> in the Key of Life. Well, I made a, I mean, I've been, I keep a running list too, like Brian. So I'm not gonna pick the obvious, mm-hmm. obvious ones. And I was talking earlier that I've got this, like the album format is a, is it, it's somewhat of an arbitrary format. It's created by the the amount of music that could be on two sides of a piece of vinyl, which is about 45 <clears> minutes. So most of my classics are up until the 90s. And then after that, it gets a little more spotty because people, artists especially, start thinking, I have 70 minutes, so thereby you need to listen to all 70 minutes. Like going to, going to Brian's um, uh, Wish You Were Here, you know, part of the format problem is what makes that record work is they have to split one song into two songs because it wouldn't fit on one side, and that actually improves yeah. the record. There's something about the format that works. So I, I, I kind of ended up picking some ones that, people may not think about from, I had to break it down by decades, and I can't talk about 70s Bowie 
or 80s Prince or the first six Van Halen albums because these are all things that are it's like hearing my heartbeat it's like these things are such a part of me that they're so perfect in my brain including the first four Metallica records but I think in the 60s I think the Kinks have the the Village Green Preservation Society is a perfect record that people don't often think about that's a great record top to bottom and then I think in the 70s Plastic Ono Band John Lennon's Plastic Ono Band is a truly tremendous and I think perfect record um, wow. wow. Then, I'm going to have to reconsider that. Love that album. That's a great record. That is one of the greatest of all time. And and, and I think yes. tonally it's perfect. The production's perfect. It, it In terms of our idea of, of every song being great, but actually comprising a theme, it is one of the most thematic records. I can't recommend that anymore. Yes, and, Brian. And I'd say better than Imagine, because we I also agree. were talking about, you know, Mm-hmm. The perfect album may not be the most successful or most well-known, right? Yeah. And Imagine yeah, right. is a far bigger song, but that album is a way better collection than Imagine. No, yeah, Imagine so, is the one that people, like, it's a little easier to take, but Plastic Ono yeah. Band is the better record. Um, I'm going to throw in, I'm going to throw in two of the greatest, I think two of the most perfect rock records of all time, and that is Alice Cooper, Love It to Death, followed by Alice Cooper, Killer. The two most perfect, in my mind, rock records and I felt vindicated whenever uh, whenever um, Johnny Rotten came out and said they're the two greatest albums ever made. And I was like, thank you. I'm not the only human on Earth who thinks this because I think they're perfect. <laughs> well, no, you're still well, the only human, human. on Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. <laughs> so I'm well, those jumping, are interesting I'm choices. Jump, but I, I'm jumping to the, I'm just, there are ones that are obvious that, I, that I'd pick, you know, like the first one album I, or that, but, but there are songs in the key of life. But I'm picking ones that people don't think about because I do think they're perfect. Yeah. Like in the 80s, the third Peter Gabriel record, the one with the melting face, perfect record. Top Good record. Bottom, yes. Record. That's got Shock the Monkey on it, doesn't it? No, not? that doesn't. That's on the fourth <laughs> album. Um, the oh. third album is Intruder, is Games Without Frontiers, uh, it's Biko. Jean um, Sans Frontiers. <laughs> that's a great, a great album. And then I also, I think Blizzard of Oz doesn't get enough credit for being a perfect yes. rock record. Okay. And um, and then Tom Petty's. I thought Holy we were Fever. only supposed to come up with a couple. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like, I feel like you're overdoing to be it here, one or Kevin. two, and like I didn't yeah. realize we were going off on this whole. I'm like, just giving a list. I'm just giving a, a list. Screed. Calm it down. They call this. Calm it down. And then I'm just going to jump ahead <laughs> to the 2000s. Oracular Spectacular by MGMT, I think, is a perfect record of the new age that people don't think about. Uh, okay, go, keep going, Brittany. Oh, what's that oh. all about? No, you what, lost, no, what else you, you have? You what else you have? I lost him. I lost him. And then, yeah, I'm going to lose more then because I think that Harry Styles' 2017 album is a, is a near-perfect record. It's you have mentioned that fact on this show. Yeah, and those are, those are the ones that I think people don't think about being perfect, but there are perfect records over these years that are there. All right. I'm going to bring out a couple right now, and a couple of them I don't agree with. But, you know, first a couple that I really do think are perfect, and then a couple that we can argue about, which is, will be fun. Number one, we talked about it last week, and it's not my favorite record by this band, but is the only perfect record by this band. It is not the first one I'd listen to if I was going to d- dive on this band, but XTC's Skylarking from, I believe, 1986 is a perfect album. And not only that... I would say it's up there among the best concept albums ever recorded. What's the concept? I, I know nothing about this, so please. You're let basically me know. going through this entire life from young man to dead man, 
um, in a very English way. And there's uh, all these little crises that happen along the way. And it's it's beautiful. It's cohesive. Todd Rundgren and Andy Partridge wrestled over every single sound on the album. And it's great. The only thing is, if you were to pick it up right now, and this is why I bring it up because it's so fascinating, it is no longer a perfect album. Oh. Because the, the B-side... Uh, from the song, uh, I think the single Grass, which is the second song on the album, uh, became a hit in the UK and then in the US. And so Geffen Records added the song Dear God to the end of Skylarking, and it does not fit on the album. So I urge any of you, if you want to hear the perfect album, stop after, I think, Sacrificial Bonfire. Do not listen to... Um, to dear God, is there like a is that a second pressing? Like, can you have a version of it that's a perfect version? I think I they, still have can. the original UK press CD that has the doesn't have that on it. The original in the UK and in the United States had it, and then Geffen pulled them back in, whatever was unsold, and released it with Dear God. It's kind of an interesting thing that happened. They actually ruined perfection, but made a better selling record. <laughs> that's happened many times before. Um, another one, Kevin, I know you're going to agree with me on this one. Uh, you just yeah. didn't think of it <laughs> from a few years ago. Uh, Black Messiah. Oh, it, it was on my list. I just didn't, I didn't bring it up because <laughs> I was trying to find ones people might not think about, but that's a perfect album to me. There, that is a perfect album. And if you haven't heard agree. it, it was, it was dropped. Uh, he didn't even want to drop it. He dropped it. Be, you know, he might have, D'Angelo might have held on to that record forever because he hadn't released a record in about a decade. It, it was like but, his Chinese democracy, but it turned out really good. <laughs> like he took him 14 uh, one, years of greatness. One night during the Black Lives Matter um, uh, st stuff that was happening, there were riots going on, and he was just so angry that over, literally overnight, he dropped his album and dropped it at exactly the right time. And it I didn't is, realize that was how, I remember it just showed up. I didn't realize that was the context. Oh, yeah, it was in the midst of that. He was like, this is the time. I'm dropping it. Wow. Um, at least that's what I, I love, read. Love that record. <laughs> love every song. I, 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 I spent the better part of a calendar year listening to almost nothing else. Um, here's a couple. I want to go to ones that people would commonly say are perfect records. And I just want you all to give thumbs up or thumbs down. Is this a perfect record? Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Pet Sounds. Here's the deal with Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds. Thumbs and, up and, from Jeffy and Brian. Yeah, I'm going to put Pet Sounds as a thumb, thumb middle. Because here's the deal. So that's a thumbs down. Uh, yeah, no. it's a thumbs down. No, it's well, not a thumbs up. It's, it's mediocrely perfect. Oh, mediocrely yes. perfect. Oh my god! No, what I was, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So Brian just threw me off because I would just, I'd, I'd make, the, I'd make the mistake of saying pick a best cheap trick album, but it's a trick question because they're all the best cheap trick album. I think every cheap trick okay. album is great, but that's not. I here feel yet. like no, you're I totally think, derailing this moment. I've derailed that yeah. moment. No, the, 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 you can cut that part. You can cut that part. Brian mentioned cheap. Trick I asked for a thumbs off. up or thumbs down on Pet Sounds, and you're like taking me on. Here's a the deal. Cheap if trick I would like, if I, wanna, if I would like to take a nap, I will put on Pet Sounds. Sort of <laughs> that sounds. Like. You know. You know how you can easily summarize that yeah. with a thumbs down <laughs> yeah and you know what uh, because of that i'm gonna move us on uh All right. let's get some quick thumbs up and thumbs down on Wait, some popular what's your, thumb, what's your thumbbs up though did you give a thumbs up or thumbs mine down is, on pet no mine's a thumbs down on pet sounds oh, I don't okay think it's so we're together on this <clears throat> unified i love the album but i think you know it's it, perfect no way um all right uh, I, have have I, have back. I have your back on that one <clears throat> asia brian wants to fight me asia by steely dan never heard it <laughs> really? 
I've never kidding, right? once listened to it. No, I'm not. We, we've got three thumbs up, oh, and I never okay. heard it. I've never heard should, it. The only, the only, in fact, you might want to check it out. We have a mutual friend who loves Steely Dan. I've actively avoided Steely Dan when I was a young man because they were so not what I liked in rock because they were so like overly produced and overly slick. But I do. I, I have a secret love of, of Nightfly, the album, the the, yeah. the Fagin album, oh, Nightfly. Yeah. yeah. And um, I want to tell you. Fun- I should get into. <clears throat> I want to tell you a funny so story about this. Here's a funny story about this. Uh, my, my dear friend, and I think we're going to have him on this podcast at some point, Andre Duboucher, who's an incredibly funny man who was on Conan for about 10 years. He used to haughtily describe Steely Dan as music made by robots for yes. other robots. <laughs> yes. Um, <coughs> robots for other robot. Yep, for other robot. And okay. for... Um, for and about five years ago, he listened to Asia and, and all of a sudden was like, you know what? I was wrong about Steely Dan, but it's still a great joke. And I had to agree with him on both both points. Yeah, um, I, I yes. Kevin, we, we have to have a Steely Dan sit down. Yeah, well, now, that like, now, that, now that I'm I an old open your mind. Now that I'm an older man, I can guys, appreciate I, it. But it is I can I imagine there's something good there. But when I was young getting the music, it represented everything I couldn't stand about. About okay. Rock music, well, so. I, I, I want to go down the list, and there will be no more yes. extended discussion because we have a yeah. list here. <laughs> oh my um, goodness! <laughs> yeah, so thumbs up. up and thumbs down. Paul Simon's Graceland. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up from everybody except Brian. He had a middle thumb. In, I thought you couldn't do that. Yeah, he here's can't the thing. That. In four words or less, why not? Yeah, uh, one speed bump. Oh, what's that? I gotta, I gotta find it on the. I'd have to look it up. It'll take us too long. But there's, there's one a song that song that's not a. Yeah, there's a speed bump. Okay, uh, Talking Heads remain in light. Oh. Remain in light. Yeah, I'll uh, give it a thumbs up. Uh, that's, I'll give that. That's when it opens with Ezimbra. I, I, I yep. um, I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. Jeffy, you're not, you're not. No, no, no. <clears throat> that's, All right, that's... thumbs up from everybody. Wow. Yeah. Um. Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. We haven't talked about much Dylan on this podcast. No, we really haven't. I have to give that a thumb. Do I think it's perfect? Not necessarily, but I have to give it a thumbs up. It's pretty. It's pretty great. You know, it, it, it's very close to perfect to me. I'd have to be a fan. And that album, and I'm not. That album is a journey in itself. Jeffy, you're saying no. I'm saying I don't get Dylan. Okay. Never got how, it. How? How about Joni Mitchell's Blue? We talked about it two weeks ago, three that's, weeks ago. That's that was on my sh- on my list here. Since we talked mm-hmm. about it, I didn't bring it up, but yes. Yeah. Okay. How about Girl Talk? Feed the animals. You know I'm a fan. <laughs> two of us thumbs up. Two of us have not listened to it. Yeah. It is a I'm- complete 55 minutes of mashup, and it's sublime. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Check it oh, out. Are you talking about Sublime's self-titled album? Sublime? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no. All right. And no. I, I want to name. I want to name a few more. And and we don't even have thumbs up and thumbs down. A lot of people would say, "What's going on?" Is the archetypal perfect album. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's I, on my I list. Can't, I love. I it. can't really argue with that. I Blood Sugar yeah. Sex Magic is on the list. That's that pretty is not. Great. That's Should one of my peppers? prime. That's one of my prime examples of it. Would there's a 45 minute great record in there. That in might the be. Whole, might be right. Yeah. Born to Run. Perfect. It took me yeah. years to like it. I, it took me years, and once I got it, it, it is perfect. I can't deny it. Uh, I've got Three Feet High and Rising and uh, Nation of Millions. We've already talked about those. David Bowie's Low. Oh, perfect. But I, my David Bowie from, from me, from Man Who Sold the World through Scary Monsters, a perfect run. An unbeatable Hunky perfect Dory. run. Hunky Dory. 
Hunky Dory. Oh, that song. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, God, they're all. Don't even get me started on that. And even though we don't cover this on this show, I I can't leave this segment without name checking uh, two jazz albums. Uh, Miles Davis is kind of blue. I think it's unquestionably perfect. And more than that, an album that I probably listen to monthly. Um, Coltrane's a love supreme. That yeah. was also on my list. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think, think, I don't I think there's a wrong jazz. note on that album. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah, the jazz. We, we can open yeah. up a little corner for that at some point. Yeah, on I the think jazz front. Yeah, on the jazz front, I was thinking about that too. The thing is, again, short, right? A lot of five-song albums. Right. And what's interesting about it too is they were so prolific and a lot of it was live improvisation. Mm-hmm. And so there's... It, to me, it's in a different category. I agree with both of those picks, Adam, and I started going down a jazz perfect album rabbit hole, and I had to pull myself out. I call out. that a jazz hole. Totally. Yeah, I had to pull myself out yeah, of a jazz it's, hole, It's man. Uh, technically just a jazz hole. <laughs> all right, look, all that jazz will be coming up right after this. We're going to take a quick break and pay some bills. Please buy all of these products several times. DBL! DBL! DBL. Wow, I am definitely going to buy those products, aren't you, Kevin? Those are delightful products. I can't wait to get more. <laughs> Welcome back to DBL. DBL. Let's leave a little space uh, for Jesus and for this the sonic wonder of of the the, the new um, the new intro that we produced for Brian's House of Wax. Ooh, that's pretty yeah, that nice, right? Good. That yeah. was the Yeah, you see? We're branding. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> Brian, Brian Frank, band manager, how the hell are you? You have brought a you have you are gonna have to fight us off like rabid wolverines <laughs> to get to I'm get gonna your keep piece it. I'm spoken gonna, I, about. I'm gonna this keep album. it I'm gonna keep it tight on this because I because of that All same right. problem. Me too. All right, so so we're gonna try to sit on our hands, Brian, and on our lips, which is very difficult. Yes. Tell us what you've brought and tell us what you want to tell us about the thing you've brought. <laughs> I'm going to go as quickly as possible so you guys can just <laughs> jump in and chatter away. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. So, so tonight uh, we are we are talking about Prince. All right, let me cut you off right there because I want to say something about this. Oh, my. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. wow. <laughs> that, was, that was totally worth it. That was yeah, totally worth it. Um, I'm glad you did that. Prin- <laughs> Prince's sign, oh, the times, or maybe sign, peace sign, the times, depending on how you <laughs> no spin one, it. No one has ever said that, <laughs> but continue. <laughs> uh, which was uh, released on March 30th, 1987, which uh, around the time of this recording and you're potentially you're listening, makes it, uh, we're celebrating the 35th anniversary. It makes it officially 35 and it makes me officially old. Um <laughs> So uh, this is his double album that he recorded after disbanding the revolution. And it was principally recorded over nine months uh, with the, the man himself. Uh, although there were a couple of songs that uh, he had been working on prior to this record, um, because he was actually making um, a couple of records at the same time before this that were distilled down. So he had an album 
called Dream Factory that he was doing with The Revolution. And um, the song uh, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man was actually from that, working on with Wendy and Lisa. Um, he also had another album um, called Camille that he was working on, um, which was his alter ego. And uh, I, too, have an alter ego named Camille. Uh, wow. just, yeah, coincidence. Just coincidence. coincidence. Yeah, yeah, weird. yeah it's that, just wow. a pure coincidence. Wow. Yeah, so, um, okay. that, Go on. And then essentially what, what and that song Strange Relationship mm -hmm. was, you know, part of the Camille mm -hmm. thing, which came through. And essentially he was going to turn this into a triple album called Crystal Ball. And um, the executives at, at Warner Brothers Records uh, advised him that maybe a double record <laughs> Uh, would be a better idea. So he trimmed it down, trimmed about seven songs, yeah. and, uh, and added the, the title track. And um, that became this, this beautiful piece of music, um, Sign of the Times, um, which uh, was commercially successful, but not as successful as Purple Rain, right? Um, mm -hmm. But now generally considered, you know, an all-time classic record. It did... Uh, peak at number six in America. Um, the title track was a hit single. It was number one on the R&B charts and number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, and there are a couple other singles that you may know, even if you're a casual listener, like You Got the Look and If I Was Your Girlfriend. Uh, and the aforementioned I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. My big point, because I know you guys, there's going to be a lot of things that you guys are going to want to talk about. But Maybe. What I really took away listening to this record again and, and listening to it in the context of today and listening to it with the perspective of Prince and the evolution of the revolution, uh, because, you know, when we lived through it, as we were listening to it, it was a big departure in a sense. Uh, this album, it, it threw a lot of people for a loop. And it was mainly yes. because he did this himself with a Lynn drum machine and a Fairlight synth. And so what's insane about it too, with the Fairlight synth, he used the stock sounds that came with the synthesizer. So all the people that get so stressed out about all the gear they're gonna use to make a record and people think you gotta like do all this crazy shit, Prince basically took two things you could buy in the store and made one yeah. of the greatest records of all time. It's, you know, it's hard to, to come Great up point. with an equivalent to this, but it's <laughs> yeah. like the guy had two basic tools and, and made a seminal album. And it just, to me, that increases my appreciation of his genius even more. It's like someone with a limited palette creating something so strong. And well, I mean, um, to, to quickly yeah. add a, we were talking about Steely, Ban Steely Dan a second ago. In, in some ways, there's a punk element to these. He's like making like a punk R&B. Like he's saying, I've got these tools, yeah. and you know, I'm not going to spend three weeks trying to get a hand clap. I'm just going to make this right now and get the song out. So there's a purity to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, Absolutely. he was working so hard and so fast at that time. I mean, when I wanted to provide a little more context, when he told the label that he wanted to do a triple album, he was saying that in the context of somebody who had done an album a year for three years and would do, an, do I think, three albums over the next four years after this. And still, as, a, as I think I mentioned last week, in the uh, 2020 re-release that has all those four discs, he had yet another three perfect discs of great material that never saw the light of day because he was already moving on to Love Sexy. Well, and also we got to remember, those are Prince albums we're saying. He wrote and recorded The Family, plus the two, three Madhouse jazz albums during those same years, plus 
the Time album. So, so he was making three or four records that got released a year without even his name on it. So part of that is that I'm going to finish a start a song and finish a song right now. That that like yeah. I've got a Lynn drum machine. I'm doing this. I'm finishing it. It's done. Print it. Let's go. As opposed to most other artists who could not work that fast. But before we leave, you know, Brian time and Brian's house of wax, and we are, we we become a you know, the scrum begins. Brian, you said earlier in our earlier segment, and I know a lot of people only tune in for segment three of this show. So um, I think most people. You, yeah, it, most people. So I, they're just here for the House of Wax. So I, I need to repeat that you said this. Uh, you said that you don't think it's a perfect album because there's one speed bump. I would like to ask you what the speed bump is. Yes. So it's a song that I enjoy and appreciate. Uh-huh. But okay. to me, it, it is separate to the theme of the whole rest of the record. And Ooh. it is because so the song is called It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night. And this is the only song on the record that was recorded with the revolution. And it's also recorded live and it's great. And it's so much fun. It's nine minutes and I groove to it, but it takes me out of the zone that I'm in listening to this record. I think the opening track and the way he sets the mood and it Mm -hmm. is so basic. And like, like Kevin's saying, it's almost like a punk R and B, I, I love that. It's like a dude in his room. It's almost like a bedroom record to me. Yeah. And I'm just so in on Sign of the Times. And then you know he brings it up, and you know it grows no, I get and, you. and it progresses. I get you. But that one just takes me out, and I'm like, God damn it! I only recently read a book. There's this great book by Dwayne Tudal where he breaks down all of the studio sessions. And I thought that song was a live revolution song that's sort of thrown in at the end forever. And it always felt odd, but I still loved it because right after the cross and the it turns out that that song is, is a live basic track, but he did the rest of it. All the vocals and everything is in the studio. Like he wrote, he used yeah. it almost the revolution as a sample for a song yeah. that he wrote in the right. studio that in some ways is like the revolution breakup song. And in that context, in- it worked for me. It works for me better now than it did for the longest time. This is in my notes, too, and this is why I love that song there, and I didn't always. I'm not saying I'm more involved than you, Brian. But he's not he doesn't have to say it. There is such an amazing progression in this in this album. And there's a couple of pairs of songs that are paired together so beautifully that it's uh, to me one of the things that makes it a beautiful record. But at the end, things start ascending and they ascend kind of to the heavens. And Prince is always about the heaven and the earth, the heaven and the earth, the heaven and the earth. And it goes all the way up to the cross, which is a sublime and religious tune. And he could have ended the album on the cross. Absolutely. And we were all gone like, well, that's a piece of genius. And it would have been closer to uh, Kevin's ideal time for a perfect album. Instead, (laughs) he takes us right back down to earth to a jam session. And you go from isolation to communion. He's got a whole band there. They're jamming out. He can't stop himself from enhancing it in the studio. But like all of a sudden, we've gone from heaven to back in church. And we're just enjoying what it sounds like to make music in a big place with a lot of well, people. Well, you're enjoying voices. it. Yeah, yeah. you're enjoying well, here's it. A, oh, my here's God. A, but here's a and, fun and then, fact. And then he gives us, <laughs> hold on, this. and then, okay. he gives us, then he gives us one more song. He gives us a door, and I feel like that has a reason to be there as well because it kind of synthesizes the two things. So well, that's why the, I've come the, to think of this as a perfect the album. The fun fact is when it was Crystal Ball, when the album was Crystal Ball, the last two songs were a door and it's going to be a beautiful night, but they were inversed. 
uh, Adore led That makes to, sense to me. And It's Gonna Be Beautiful Night was the end of the album. Was after three records, you were going to have this big live celebration, which makes Party. more sure. logical sense, which is the kind of the thing that, say, a record executive would say, let's do that. It's the way to go. Prince being Prince makes strange decisions and, and had that celebration, but thought, you know what? I want to bring it down to a big R&B ballad. In some ways, his first big R&B ballad since his early records, since like Doomy Baby and things like that. It's an interesting choice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made that choice. It, it's part of a Prince, you know, strangeness that he would do sometimes because he clearly yeah. looked at those songs and thought they'll be better in a different sequence, which doesn't, which isn't obvious. It's such a it's such a strange choice. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. I love those songs, but it's a strange choice. Uh, before before I get, I wax rhapsodic and some of the things I love about this album, I saw Jeffy start to talk a couple of times. So Jeffy, some uh, some of your impressions about the album and what is being said right here. You are the most respectful Beatle on this show. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what can I say? It's a, it's a great album. Um, there's a dozen songs that I love on it. Um, Starfish and Coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh! A perfect song. There's so many upbeat songs, too. Like Play in the Sunshine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot help but tap your feet and smile when you're hearing these songs and what can i say and yet there's such I'm a dark side right <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, they're, they're, you're absolutely right it, it's it, there's said. the sublime and there's the dark uh yeah well thank you for that I, I here's here's a couple of things i want to point out just just real quick um i can never take the place of your man is a heartbreakingly beautiful song Right. As it's pop single until it spends two and a half minutes jamming out at the end, which is in some ways is even better. But it's on parallel <laughs> as a pop single until then. Um, but there's all this shit that goes on. There's that darkness of the first cut, and then all of a sudden you're playing in the sunshine. There's so much duality. But the one thing I want to bring out is how stripped down this all is. The sound of this record was like nothing else that had come out to that point. And Kevin, I know you think that Purple Rain is a purple is a perfect album, and you might be right. And when Purple Rain came out, it just, it was fantastic. It absolutely pushed all my buttons. But Sign of the Times blew my mind. There, right. there right. The sounds that he was making there, as Brian points out, with nothing. But I want to point to two songs together. Hot Thing, followed by Forever in My Life. And I want to listen to a little bit of both of those now, because he does this thing where he's got this churning single note bass thing that happens. Um, and on Hot Thing, like Hot Thing, like every bar you hear, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you hear, dun, 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 dun. And in Forever in My Life, on every bar you hear, dun, dun, dun. And those songs are right next to each other. They sound like one chord songs. They're not technically, it's really hard to say whether they are or not. Um, actually, Forever in My Life definitely isn't. But he's he's limiting you to just hearing those sounds on, on the low register and singing the melody in a high register. And the instrumentation is like nothing you ever heard before. Let's hear a few bars of both back to back. Okay, and what's so cool about this is that he did this for a reason. He's in the middle of the album, and he's in the middle of the journey of this album. And it's not like those songs were meant to be 
arranged like that and played like that. And one of the things I love about the 2020 re-release of Forever in My uh, of of the Sign of the Times is you get his early version of Forever in My Life, which is so much more of a conventional pop song with the bass tracing the chords and the guitar. It's like it's just a pop song. Here, listen to a little bit of that here. <laughs> The, the re- so the reason I want to say this is a perfect album is that Prince made huge adjustments to his own songs just to make them fit into this thing that he ended up calling Sign of the Times. And that just blows my mind. No, I, I to that point, I think this is a great example of how the process gets you there. Because he's, he's in the middle of losing his band. Yeah. He's in the middle of he's having a personal relationship that's falling apart. He's trying to build Paisley Park. He's trying to build a studio. Part of part of the limitations he has musically are like Ballad of Dorothy Parker. There were limitations; the, the studio wasn't set up right. So part of the reason why it's so muddy is a flaw in the recording, right? But he made it into yeah. something great. But what I think we were talking about sequencing on perfect albums, and one of the things that makes this work when Warner Brothers rejects the triple record, Crystal Ball, Sign of the Times was was a song on the later half of it. It was just in the middle of it, and when he took the song and made it the first song every one of these other songs falls into place into a perfect sort of statement. It had been sitting there, but it hadn't become a I'd statement agree. yet. And, and I think that's part of the brilliance of, of how records work or how this sort of art works. He sets the stage with the super minimalist, you know, it's very sobering. It's not a song that judge, it isn't past judgment on what's going on in the world. It just tells you what's happening, and it is sobering. And once that happens, you're kind of ready to go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of willing yeah. to go anywhere after that point. And I... I mean, uh, I to your about point sh- about studio accidents, let me just uh, to your point about studio accidents. Um, when he was mixing "Forever in My Life," um, I guess it was it Susan who was his um, yeah Rogers Susan Rogers his, his engineer yeah his engineer she something went wrong she fucked up the the backup vocals and the backup vocals ended up uh, being placed before the the actual vocals. Right. And Prince loved it and re-recorded it. And if you listen to Forever in My Life, the lyrics are sung by the backing vocals long before they're sung <laughs> right. by, the, by the front vocals, which kind of enhances the whole theme of forever. You know, it, just, it, gets, and, and it his, cycles around it. Him at his best yeah. was what we were saying. It's a DIY thing. He was always doing it by himself. Most of his records from Dirty Mind On are, are pretty much recorded in his bedroom, right? They have that feeling that is that ne- he never got, he sort of peaked with this because after this he made a lot of great music, but that sort of sense of experimentation and I'm going to try shit no one else is going to try and I'm not going to chase anyone else's style, I'm doing my own thing. This is peaking here. And, and, and I could talk about, if we had the filibuster for 24 hours about Sign of the Times, I could easily do <laughs> Our this. listeners are begging us not to. Yes. They're begging <laughs> us not to. But I won't. But I'm just saying, you know, it's another thing we could do. But there are definitely certain albums and certain movies and music where you... You experience it, and you know you come out a different person, right? And in my mm-hmm. in my life, this was one of those things where I put it on, and I came out a different person, and and it grew. Yeah, with when me. I saw Xanadu, it was the same thing. <laughs> I agree. I just totally, saw it again. It's totally rubber stamp that Xanadu will have that effect on you as well. It's never the same after. Never that. the same. No. Um, and also, what's great about Sign of the Times, it's not a nostalgia also- piece. It's not a nostalgia. It aged with me. Like I can put it on now, and it is is relevant today as it was when I was young. It's not a, oh, remember the days we used to enjoy this? It's still strong. It still holds up. 
I absolutely agree. I, it's still there. When Adam, when you were bringing up, I could never take the place of your man. I thought you were going to mention uh, Jordan Knight's uh, cover. Of this song. <laughs> I had forgotten wow, about why, that. Why, why, would you, why would you think that, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you're going with it. Uh, another wow. thing that I found in my research, which uh, which blew my mind and was not aware of, is that apparently Robert Smith of The Cure is a huge fan of this record. Uh, really? And is, yeah, and is that and kiss me, kiss and me, totally kiss me. makes sense. And listen totally to it, sense. it totally makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. But I just never put that together. And you know, the other thing I'd say is, you know, this is, you know, Kanye's 808 and 808s and heartbreak. Yeah. That's his sign of the times, right? Like it it's totally. almost that parallels minim- that too. minimalist yep. and that sort of uh, yeah, yeah it, almost like he's gone out of his way to to do that, yeah, I I, yeah. I would totally agree. And one other thing is, he never Prince being Prince, he never toured for this record in America. He toured in Europe. Yep. Had he toured in America, we might be talking more about it. There's a great film that, of course, he mm-hmm. messed up the rights for it, so you can't really. No one knows who owns he the rights. He fucked up the rights for everything. He's, he he made, was ornery yeah. and uninformed a lot of the time yeah, about like where the business trends were going. So there's a great film if you can see it out there that is the, a great tour of this record, but uh, that's unfortunately it's so good. what we got. That yeah. we didn't get a real tour. We got in America. We got the film, which I love. But yeah, you search but you know what? If, if you, you want a little it. sample of it, if you want a little sample of it with the dancers and and the amazing performances. If you do go to uh, Apple Music or I think Spotify's uh, page about uh, Sign of the Times, the video for, I think it's for I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, is uh, taken directly from the Sign of the yeah, Times movie. Yeah, it is. You'll get a little flavor of it. It's lifted. It's, it's got a great Sheila E. intro on drums. Highly recommended. <laughs> it's, it's really terrific. All right. Uh, speaking of really terrific, our sponsors are really terrific. We'll be right back with Guilty Pleasures after this. DBL. 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 <laughs> DBL! DBL's back! Oh, my Lord. We are back. What a journey we've been on. You know, I feel like uh, we often kid around a lot. Tonight, we were really wrapped up in the music. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But now let's kid around a lot. Oh, okay. (laughs) Now let's kid around a lot because now it's time. Uh, You might remember last week, instead of doing Guilty Pleasures, we... um, we we did hidden treasures. Yes, um, we did. We did. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. that was enlightening because it was enlightening to all of us. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I and, feel uh, less but this hidden. week, we're... yes, I felt transcendent. You, Jeffy, you are seen. I see you, Thanks, uh, you in black and white. In black and white for some reason. Yeah, Jeffy's decided to go black and white, and I kind of I kind of dig the choice. Yeah, I might even noir. prefer sepia tone if you got it next time. Yeah, because because uh, you, know, you live here. in a civil war. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jeffy, we're going to start with well. you. Give us your guilty pleasure. This is a song that you might have uh, you might have loved, and maybe you still love, and you're a little embarrassed that you love it. Yeah, um, I've decided not to introduce this song. All right. I'm, I'm okay. just going to play it. Yes. Okay. Oh, I love you, man. Oh, yeah.
right, that's a fascinating one. What a you great just one, Rick Jeffy. rolled our podcast. Yeah, did you Rick roll the podcast? I that I love that. I love that. Do you do you do you? I mean, wanna go, it's a good song. What, it's a good I mean, song. That's, it's, it's a good catchy. Song. The vocals good. Like I, I like that it became I, that song. Like you know, it became something else later. But at the time, I was like. Well, first of all, I was like, who is this black man singing the song? <laughs> I thought it was somebody who looked like me singing the song. And then I saw the guy and I'm like, okay, all right. He couldn't be yeah. less All right, black. little no. man. You got it, little man. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> he was a I, wee, I love that song Brit. too. And, I love, and I'm glad that it's come back around to being genuinely enjoyed because the period of time that it was being rickrolled was, was when it was ironically being enjoyed. I remember thinking... Yeah. I was thinking, like, what this was, you're rickrolling. This was the freaking radio when we were kids. Like, this was but, actual. But the thing music. is, like, even during the rickroll time, I was just like, yes. Yeah. Every time I got rickrolled, I was like, it was a gift. Oh, oh, you tricked me into listening to a great song. <laughs> like, I love you. I that is get the perfect the, guilty you know, pleasure. The, the irony was like, whatever. But I was like, yeah. It's hilarious and it's funny. I got to tell you, that's for one, that's it's a no. What I meant to say pleasure. was, it's hilarious yeah. and it's a good song. No, I know, but but what you said was better. I know. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It's hilarious, funny, and it's a good song. And yeah. Rick Rolling is still happening in my son's generation. Oh, but I think they all also respect it as a great song. I think it, historically, oh, like fifty okay. years from now, it'd be like there was a great song. And then for a brief period of time, it was called Rick Rolling, and people would be like, "What are you talking about? That's now the national anthem." That Rick Rolling, like that's this is a great song forever. Hundred yeah. percent, maybe, but Thank one of you. the best guilty pleasures ever. Agreed. Oh my god! All right, uh, Brian Frank, what you got for your guilty pleasure? We know you're not guilty about anything, but we're teaching you. I hope. Yeah, you know you you did you have been teaching me because I'll tell you what, <laughs> I was choosing between three songs from this same artist. Uh, and I realized this is the one that I should feel the worst about. So I am learning. I am learning. So this was inspired by this was inspired by um, Kevin's pick last week because it reminded <laughs> me. I think it was last week. I can't remember when, but yeah. it reminded what me of it? my love for um, my Rastafarian brother Billy Ocean. Oh yes, and, uh, when the going um, gets tough was a couple weeks, a couple episodes ago. There you yeah. go. And yeah. I was I was thinking about his catalog and how much I genuinely love this guy's music. As you're saying, Kevin, like when we were kids, this was on the radio, <laughs> and I'm personally touched by you know suddenly and all this stuff. But my 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 song for tonight no. is. Uh, from uh, it was featured in uh, the film License to Drive, which I know is one of Jeffy's yeah. uh, favorites. I saw it in the it's, theater. <laughs> oh no! So did I. It's what are you about to do? Get what out of my dreams. Get yeah. into get my, into my oh, car. Yes. Car. Yes. Man. It's so good. Now you know what, and also wow. the 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 dreams equals car scenario. That's such a perfect yeah. of its time thing. That's so and good. And the video. If you oh, haven't seen the no. video with the animation, I mean, it just... <laughs> and if you're not into the Corey's filmography, this is really... There's no, there's yeah, no it downside was a different to this. Time. <laughs> there's it no was downside. A different time. <laughs> but that song there is really, undeniable. 
Yeah, and that's it was a massive cool. hit. It was like a number one in a billion countries. I know, and that <laughs> that was. I definitely remember being of the age thinking yeah. like maybe my idea of a massive hit and the world's idea of a massive hit aren't the same anymore. But you know what? Yeah. I'm there. I'm there now. You know, you know, I, and I always was. I always was like, I missed Calypso Funkin'. Like, right? Where's Calypso Funkin'? Billy Ocean fans. Yeah. Oh we, wow! Are we not? Into the Billy you know what? Ocean we, we only cuts? listen to four songs oh, during. Uh, we only listen to four songs during this segment. We're going to make an exception. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit because I have. I don't even know what you're Calypso talking Funkin. about. Calypso <laughs> Funkin. Yeah. Yes. Let's hear a I little got bit. It in. He deserves we more credit. Kyle, one this week. <laughs> Two first. Kyle, give us a little bit of Calypso Funkin. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I thought adulthood was going to be when I was a kid. That was the sound. You thought it was going to be Calypso. I thought I was like, when I grow up, that's going to be my life. And you know, it didn't turn out to be that. It didn't turn out that way. Yeah, your shirt unbuttoned like way down. I tried. So that was the better version of All Night Long. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. No. Okay. What? Here's what what I need to say about this. I'm going to say it right now. At the time that that song came out, if I had heard it, I would have hated it. Um, I would have hated the drum sounds. I would have hated so much about it. And but yourself. Steel, you know what? what about yourself. the steel drum? Uh, yeah. Let me, oh. let, me, let me finish. Here in 2022, <laughs> yes. I can love that song because it can't hurt me anymore. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's power over me as, as I mean, faded, and I, I can appreciate what's really good about it. I'm glad that we have an extra guilty pleasure. Let's go I, on I to guilty like, pleasure. I feel like we need to feature the cover art for this album on the page because yeah. it really does underscore the thing you just said. <laughs> go to our socials right now. There's a there's a 50% chance it's up there. Hey, Kevin Burke, what's your guilty pleasure? My Okay, my, my, my guilty pleasure. Look, it's no... It's no secret that I'm, a, I'm an enormous, enormous David Bowie fan, and, and as I've said before, sometimes I wonder if Gen X is going to be the first generation that goes bankrupt from nostalgia because I have rebought so many David Bowie albums I already knew I love. But one thing about the David Bowie catalog is that they always seem to want to pretend that it starts that it starts at Space Oddity, and that before that he did not have a lengthy, lengthy series of songs and as many attempts to become famous, right? So if you were getting to Bowie now, you're like, oh, you started it with Space Oddity. End of story. Well, I'm going to bring us back to April of 1967. One of my favorite uh -oh. songs, but it's April of 67. And, um, you know, this is right when Sgt. Pepper's about to come out. Jimi Hendrix has come out. The doors are out. And, and David Bo a young David Bowie has his finger on the pulse of pop culture at this time and releases, <laughs> and releases this hit. I'm going to play it for us right here. If you can hear it, we're going to play through the chorus. All right, stop that. Don't stop it. Give the chorus. 
Yeah. Laughing all day. What the fuck, dude? The laughing gnome. <laughs> Come on, guys. That's the laughing, the laughing gnome. gnome. That's an all-time Bowie classic. The laughing gnome, which has been forgot, forgotten by society. And I'm here to remind society that this is where it starts. It is David Bowie singing with himself with a sped-up chipmunk's voice. And then the rest of the song is a series of gnome-based puns <laughs> that David Bowie gets involved in. And, this and somewhere years on the from continuum. now, they'll say that this was the beginning of the end for human <laughs> civilization. This somewhere happened. on the continuum this between happened. the Kinks and and Doctor Demento. Yeah, yeah, and the Chipmunks. This David is a Bowie real did thing. This. this is a real thing by David Bowie, possibly the greatest pop star in the history of time. I think oh, yeah. we need okay. to do novelty songs. I've got a lot of Doctor Demento to talk about. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's going to be a night of Dr. Demento and Weird Al and Blowfly, and it's going to be the best. What, what do you say um, about that? It's not a novelty song. That's a David Bowie hit. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It was not a hit. Okay, um, <laughs> that was great, Kevin. Thank you for bringing that. I, I could see why that's a guilty pleasure. Um, I'm going to break mine out. It's of a very different ilk because, you know, I, I, got, I got to come right out and say that I feel like when it comes to the guilty pleasure sec section, I spend a lot of time really eviscerating myself. I think you guys have picked great songs, but I think I'm the only one who picks songs that can damage me and my reputation, like songs that I really should hate, and I don't. Um, what which is, is why okay. I want to play Ted Nugent's... No. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a song, this is a, a recent song, which I think makes it even more embarrassing. It's from 2013, and this artist has... Uh, fallen out of favor for is, several is that, reasons. Is that recent, though? I mean... Uh, yeah, it's nine years ago. It's within a decade. What do you got? Okay. Because your song was Howled. <laughs> Not recent. Yeah. Okay. Um, I present to you the sentimental and soppy stolen R&B classic that is... Oh, no. Just Justin Timberlake's Mirrors. Here it comes. Yeah. Okay. He wrote it for his grandparents. Um Two old people staring at each other, thinking about how much they um, mean to each other. And I, I just love the production on that. It's a beautiful sentiment, and it's a beautiful uh, sound. I, you know what? I, I, I don't think I ever actually listened to the words of that song other than, than the, the chorus, for one. And, and two, right. it is of that era, and that's at that late 2000s era where everything was super... All the mixes were super brick walled, like slammed up against yep. the compressor, and, and and there's a time I tune out often. I just assume I'm like the mirror must be the good catchy word, but now that you tell me what this is about, <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued. I'm vaguely intrigued that this there seems like there's a story in there that I completely missed because of the production. Right? Yeah, I mean the production is so over the top. It's so slick. Um, Justin Timberlake is so kind of persona non grata in our 
culture right now, and there's some pretty good reasons for that. Um, however, you know, my hand to the my back to the wall. I do love listening to that song. I don't put it on a lot, but I love the song. No endorsement. No. <laughs> no, no, that's okay, Adam. I mean, it doesn't. And this is why I <laughs> yeah. this is why I preface this by no, saying that I'm the only I'm the only OG here. I'm the only one who keeps guilty pleasures real. I'm genuinely you, guilty you about suffer, it. And I like you it. You suffer from guilt like a pretty extreme form of guilt that we don't seem to suffer from. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, Brian was also raised in a Jewish family, but he's got none of that. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Here's I think thing. it could be it could be just chronology. We're only nine years separated yeah. from this song. So right. Billy Ocean came out in nineteen eighty-eight. In nineteen ninety-seven, yep. you would not find me saying I'm okay with right. get out of my dreams, right. get into my car. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So I'm ahead of the curve Whereas is what you're saying. For but me, there was never a time I didn't like Calypso Funkin. Well, <laughs> I, uh, Jeffy, I wasn't talking about Calypso yeah, Funkin. that's a different story. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a totally different, story. different story. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, yeah. I wouldn't admit I'd seen License to Drive in the theater in 1997. So there's a lot of things to that. <laughs> I know, and, and that's a great And now point, we know Brian, you wrote it. No, There are songs that we hate right now that... There are songs that we hate right now that are going to be guilty pleasures in 20 years. Right. Yeah, um, no, no, like this podcast so, someday, 20 years from now, I'll be like, you ooh. know what? My favorite podcast <laughs> is that those so, four yeah. dudes. Wow, that's, it's, it's, so a, it's th- ambitious that you're thinking that people are going to remember this podcast in Yeah, exactly. Oh, this my is, God, are they gonna, ever? We're still going to be legacy. doing it. This is our legacy, Jeffy. This is what <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and with that... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of episode 10 of Dead Man Land DBL. All right. So 10, quest- 10 episodes of DBL. Yes, send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials. Dadbandland is produced by me and Jeffy Branion. Uh, cool Sonic Pastiche by Jeffy Branion. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. Our sponsors are the greatest products on the planet. Uh, we'll see you next week on Dadbandland. Dad Land! Nicely done. Nicely done, everybody. Oh, my God. That's really good, guys. A podcast network.